As you watch this teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it. Welcome to Home Group. This is Thursday night, and tonight we're going to pick up where we left off last night. We're talking about Jesus' authority over demons. And Jesus told us in Luke 10, verse 19, Behold, oh, do you remember what the word behold means? Wow, it is amazing. Please get it. This is stunning. Behold, I give you authority over all the works of the enemy. And the word over is the Greek word epi. It describes a superior position. We have a position of superiority over all the works of the enemy because we have the blood of Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit, and the Word of God in every respect. You and I and all of us, we are over all the works of the enemy. And Jesus says, I've given you, the King James Version says power, the Greek says exousia, authority. We're not operating in our own authority. It is Christ-given authority, and that gives us the upper hand. But hey, I want you to go ahead and go to our website and get the free download, which is what the New Testament teaches us about demons, how to recognize demonic activity, and how to exercise your God-given authority over demons. And it comes with a great study guide, study guide and series. Please get the whole thing. You will just love this. It is quite a series, but that's what we're going to talk about tonight. And the we is me, Denise, Joel, and Maxime. Hi, guys. Hi, Rick. It's so good to be with you. And, and I just want to say that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Amen. And that is because we have the greater one inside of us to fight against any weapon, any weapon that's coming your way right now. I want to tell you. You have authority on the inside Amen. over that weapon. And it's not going to prosper against you. Amen. Joel? I have two questions. Yes, sir. Okay, there were two demon-possessed people. Yes, there were. What happened to the second person? We don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. But I would assume Jesus delivered them both. Because right. Jesus wouldn't just set one free and not the other. And I don't know what we're going to pick up today, but I have a question about the following verse where we left off yesterday. Well, hold on, because I think we're going to go there. Okay, holding on. It's going to be good. All right. Maxime, we welcome you. Uh, we, I'm so happy to be here. And as listening to you, I'm, I'm remembering this time when we were there and you were filming. You mean at the Country of the Gatherings? Yes, and we were standing pretty, pretty high and you were, you were being filmed. And I remember st standing there and thinking, trying to imagine how these two naked, they were completely naked. Mm -hmm. They would jump out of this uh, cave cave or uh, tomb. tomb. And I, I was thinking how people should have been scared when mm -hmm. two naked guys just jump out. I mean, I would be... And dangerous guys. They were dangerous. And that's where we're going to go tonight. But first I want to tell you something that Denise and I did early this morning. This morning Denise and I were laying in bed kind of started last night when we went to sleep and we were just thinking about all the things that we have seen God miraculously do in our life this year. That's how we went to sleep last night. And when I woke up this morning, Denise and I laid there in the bed and I said, Denise, let's keep talking about that. And we just mentally began to call, list all the things that Jesus has done in our lives this year. So I got up and I typed it all out, made a list, and I sent it to Joel. And I labeled it Amazing Victory So Far in 2020. In just a few moments, I got an answer from Joel. He expanded the list. Joel? 
I did. I added 60 more. 60 more. I had six, 26 things. Joe added 60 more points. I know. And you know what? God can use you. He can do victories in your life. Just allow yourself to be used. And God will do it. One thing that really helps me is before the year starts, I know we're not even close to the beginning of the year. But one thing I like to do before the beginning of the year is set the goals for the following year. Yeah, me too. And that really helps me set my track. And I can just follow that little plan month by month by month. And before long, you've done all of them or half of them, and you can feel good about yourself. But I really enjoy doing that. And, and it's amazing to me when you write down those things and you start checking them off, other things get done you never planned for. And I think it's very interesting. Well, you know, we're about halfway through the year and a little bit more than halfway through the year. And I was just, I was just thinking this morning, Jesus has done so much, already exceeded my expectations, and it's just the middle of the year. What's very interesting is on just a few days ago, I wanted to do the same thing you and Mom did. Really? Yes, I even wrote it down to do it today. Really? And lo and behold, you guys sent me yours, and I put mine together, and I'm ready to talk. Well, the reason that I'm sharing this with our <laughs> home group tonight is because I want to encourage you to do it. It's kind of been a weird year where people have had a lot of bumps along the way. Mm -hmm. But you know what? If you really stop and analyze it, a lot of good things have happened to you this year. Mm -hmm. God is faithful. You know, King David said, I've been old, but in my life I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen his seed begging bread. And even if you've had a tough year, if you really look a little bit deeper, you've had a pretty good year. God has been faithful to you. Joel? I just want to say that a lot of people, I know some people, not a lot of people. I know some people who say, I'm not going to write down my goals. It's like, it's like I, uh, what's the word for it? If I write them down, they won't happen. Mm. And I think that is superstitious. superstitious. I think that's just so silly. If you aim for nothing, you'll hit that every time. And so I think having a goal to hit will help you hit it more often. Well, I think a goal helps you to use your faith. But hey, also, if you've not yet ordered Last Day's Survival Guide, I just want to mention it. Please order it. You're going to love this book. Please. You can go to renter.org to order it right now or wherever books are sold. But let's go back to Mark chapter 5, to the country of the Gatherines. The Gatherines. Oh, I just wish that we could just all just could jump in the airplane and go there right now. It is such an awesome place to be. And when you're there, you can just see Jesus' boat pulling up at the shore in the middle of the night or the very, very early morning hours. And that's what we come to in Mark chapter 5, verse 1. Listen to this. And they came over unto the other side of the sea, under the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. I want to stop and point out a few things we didn't cover in the last home group. It says immediately. The word is eathos in Greek. It means immediately, without delay. And the Bible says, immediately, without delay, there met him. And guess what the word met means? The word met was a military word used to describe a hostile encounter. Which means when Jesus pulled up, the devil was not very glad that Jesus was there. And there met him. It was a hostile encounter, just like these demon-possessed men barged out of the tombs and tried to scare everybody who came through that way, they thought they would do the same thing to Jesus. It was hostile. It was a hostile encounter. 
It was an aggressive face-to-face encounter. These demon-possessed men barged out of the caves, barged out of the tombs to challenge Jesus just like they challenged everybody else. But that day, they really met more than their match. And the Bible says they came out of the tombs. The word out in Greek is the word ek, which means it's where you get the word exit. They exited right out of the tombs. There they are living in the spirit of death, living in the region of death. And the Bible tells us in verse 2, it was a man with an unclean spirit. And as I said in the last program, the Greek really says he was in the control of an unclean spirit. He didn't have a spirit. The spirit had him. Mm -hmm. It really had him. Mm -hmm. He was demonized. And we know that he had a legion of demons. But let's continue. Then in verse 3, the Bible says he had his dwelling among the tombs. Over and over in these verses, it tells us this man was living among the tombs, among the tombs, among the tombs. And here it says his dwelling, the word dwelling really is a place of residence, which means he didn't just temporarily go to the tombs. He was literally dwelling among the tombs. Imagine somebody who lives in the cemetery. There's something very perverse and twisted and dark about this. This man had death on his mind. Wow. And the Bible tells us in verse 3, no man could bind him, no, not with chains. We covered that in the last program, so let's move on. But then when you come to verse 4, it also says, neither could any man tame him. And I just want to comment again about the word tame. The Greek word damazo was the word used to describe those who tamed wild, ferocious beasts, lions, tigers, bears. So this man is so incorrigible. He is so hopeless. The religious people have washed their hands. They've walked away. They don't know what to do with him. Then they brought in prison guards and professionals who deal with criminals. They bound him with handcuffs and chains on his feet. He broke it. He tore it off. They said, well, let's try a wild animal tamer. So now they bring in the professionals who can tame the wildest beasts, lions, tigers, and bears, And the men who could tame the most ferocious beasts wash their hands and walk away from this man say, easier to deal with a lion than it is to deal with this man. That seems pretty hopeless, doesn't it? Mm. Wow, it's just amazing. And when you come to verse 5, it says, Always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. When the Bible says always night and day, the Greek literally means constantly throughout the nighttime, throughout the daytime, perpetually, when it was dark, even when it was light, this man was never free of this demonic torment. The Bible says he was crying, the Greek word kradza, which describes an agonizing scream. He wasn't screaming just when people were there to listen. He was screaming all the time because his soul was so tormented. And the Bible says cutting himself with stones. The Greek word katakopta, we saw this in the last program, means to gash. Gashing himself with stones. Well, Maxime, you can testify. When you're in the country of the Gadarenes and you're right up in that place where that is, all around you there are rocks that are just razor sharp. Sharp, sharp. sharp. Razor sharp. And this man is crying out, cutting himself with stones, And two things here. Number one, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The devil was trying to destroy this man. But I personally believe that this man may have said, you know what, there's no hope for me. The religious folks can't help me. Prison officials can't keep me bound. Wild animal tamers haven't been able to help me. And he may have thought the only way he would ever be free is if he killed himself. And that's the devil too. 
that's the devil too. There's nothing good about this person's life I can, I can see, except Jesus. Amen. Well, Jesus showed up. He's about to be changed. And the Bible goes on and on and on and on and on and says he was living among the tombs, among the tombs, among the tombs. But then something very strange happens in verse 6. This is very strange. Look at verse 6. And when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. I have a question. Yeah. So Jesus got off the boat. Immediately he was right there. Yeah. There was confrontation. There was a confrontation. And now it says, but afar off, he saw Jesus and came to run to he worship did. him. He did. So this seems like a contradiction. It's not a contradiction. It was just a hostile environment. But then when the man saw who, who, that it was Jesus, now you're going to find out what's happening here and, and what you're going to discover in this text. By the way, we're teaching the whole series about what the New Testament teaches us about demons and what I'm about to tell you is very important. When a person is demonized, they are not under the control of the demon all the time. Sometimes they're in control of their own mind. Well, in this particular moment, when the man saw Jesus, even though it was a hostile environment, he ran toward Jesus. And the word ran is the Greek word treko. Maxime, what does treko mean? As fast as you can. This man is running to Jesus. It really means he made a dash. His feet were flying toward Jesus. And the Bible says he worshipped him. The word worship is a Greek word proskuneo, which means to fall and to blow kisses. Now here's what's really weird to me. How many demons does this man have? 6,000. 6,000. Well, wouldn't you think that demons would normally run the other direction? Wouldn't you think a demon would run away from Jesus? Of course. They would be afraid of Jesus. Why is this man with all these demons running toward Jesus? You would think they'd be running away from Jesus. But at this moment, they're running toward Jesus. Now, in just a moment, we're going to go to Luke's gospel, and Luke was a doctor. And so when Luke recorded this story, he included some medical words, which tells us exactly what was going on with this man. When this man saw Jesus, he came out to confront like he always did. But this man was in charge of enough of his own mind at this moment that he was able to suppress those forces. And sometimes demon-possessed, demonized people can do that. And he saw who Jesus was. He said, wow, if I'm going to get help, I better move fast. I better move fast. And Treco, he made a dash. He ran as fast as he could, threw himself headlong toward Jesus. The word worship, proskuneo, lifts his head to worship Jesus and to speak to Jesus. And just when he lifts his head to speak to Jesus, something happens. Instead of asking for help, Luke tells us, here we come to Luke, Luke chapter 8, verse 29, that the Spirit caught him. The Spirit caught him. Now Luke is a doctor, and the word caught is a medical term which describes a person who has something like a spasm or somebody who has something like a seizure. And in fact, it is the same word translated all over the Gospels for the word epilepsy. Now, I am not saying, everybody say, Rick is not saying. Rick is not saying. You're I'm not saying. saying every person that has epilepsy has demons. I'm not saying that. I would never say that. No, you didn't say that. But how does epilepsy behave? 
if a person has epilepsy, it's a word that's not politically correct anymore, but it's a real medical condition. Do they have epileptic seizures 100% of the time? No. No. In fact, you might not even know that they're an epileptic. It can be controlled by medication. The majority of the time, they're okay. But then from time to time, there is a seizure that catches them, mm -hmm. and they're thrown into a fit. That's the word which Dr. Luke uses in Luke chapter 8, verse 29, which tells us demonized people sometimes can seem very normal. They can seem very normal. You may not even know you're talking to somebody that's demonized because those forces can be, can subside. And then all of a sudden, bam, they'll be thrown into a fit where suddenly demons begin speaking. They'll lose control of themselves. That is exactly what Luke describes in Luke chapter 8, verse 29. So here's what happens. On this particular early morning, the man is in charge of himself enough to know that's Jesus. If I'm going to get help, I better move fast because if I don't move fast, these demons are going to seize me and I'm going to lose my ability to ask for help. So he runs to Jesus, proskuneo, throws himself towards Jesus. He's moving as fast as he can, lifts his head to ask for help, and just as he opens his mouth to say, Jesus, would you please help me? Dr. Luke says at that precise moment is when the demons catch him. And rather than the man himself say, please help me, the demons begin to speak through him. But I think Jesus looks at the heart. And Jesus saw his heart. I think Jesus saw his Amen, heart. Amen, Paul Joel. Amen. That's exactly right. Mm -hmm. But hey, let's see what else the Bible tells us about this man in Luke chapter 8, verse 29. It says he was driven of the devil into the wilderness. The word driven describes somebody that is driven, somebody that is coerced, somebody that is forcibly manipulated. And it reminds me of when Denise and I first were young in the ministry. We were pastoring a small church that we should have never pastored. But there was a man who came to our church and he was demonized. Mm -hmm. And you know, Denise, we were just so young in the ministry, we didn't know what to do with that poor man. And he was exactly like the man from Mark chapter 5. His arms were covered with gash marks where he had tried to kill himself. He couldn't even kill himself. That's real torment when you try to kill yourself and you can't even kill yourself. And even in our services, in one moment he would be normal, and the next moment you would hear voices speaking through him. And we would see him early in the morning walking on one side of town, not normally walking, marching, almost like somebody was just driving him, but walking as fast as he could go, but he wasn't going anywhere. In the evening, we could be clear over on the other side of town, and we would see him walking along the road, still just marching, driven, like he's going somewhere in a hurry, but he wasn't ever going anywhere. He was literally driven of the devil. And every time I read about Mark chapter 5, I think about that poor man. He was just driven. It depicts somebody who's tortured, tormented, driven. They have no peace. And by the way, I want to tell you something else. A lot of the younger generation today, this seems to be so restless. Some of it's demonic activity. doesn't mean they're demonized, but I'm telling you that when people are restless and they have no peace for their souls, sometimes it is just demonic activity. They're driven and they are tortured. Isn't that something? But this man was driven of the devil into the wilderness. 
And on this particular day, he sees Jesus. Mark says he runs, the word treco, he makes a dash for Jesus. I've got to get to him, I've got to get to him as quick as I can before these demons seize me. That means this man had some measure of control over himself. Now, let me ask the que- answer a question. Because somebody's going to ask, and people regularly ask, what does it mean to be demon-possessed? I really don't think there's any such thing as a demon-possessed person. And actually, that is a King James translation of the Greek word demoniodze, which means demonized. Demon-possessed is a really bad translation of a Greek word. Because to say somebody is possessed implies they have no control over themselves whatsoever. All right, Denise, you and I have ministered to a lot of people throughout the course of our ministry and our marriage. We have ministered to a lot of demonized people. I have never, ever confronted a totally demonized, demon-possessed person. I've met some really demonized people, but every person has some measure of will. How many demons did this man have? 6,000. 6,000. He had 6,000 demons... And even with 6,000 demons operating in him, he was able to say, that's Jesus, and I need help. I'm going to move as fast as I can to get there. He demonstrated a desire to be free. And I think that when you talk about people that are demonized, this is very important. Every person can choose to be free. It doesn't matter how demonized they are. Now, I've run into some really bad cases. But I'm going to tell you, let's just play it safe, and say 99% of the time, even those that are demonized can express a desire to be set free. This man had 6,000 demons, and he ran toward Jesus. He even threw himself at Jesus. Now, when he lifted his voice to ask for help, that's when the demons seized him. But did you hear what Joel said? But Jesus was able to see the man's heart. Oh, Jesus sees all of our hearts, I believe. He judges us by the heart. But I want to ask my question. Let me let me say, when Jesus saw this man's heart, Jesus acted. He saw that man's initiative. He saw that man trying. And friends, I'm going to tell you, Jesus sees when anybody tries, even if they don't know what to do. This man didn't know what to do. He was just trying. He just wanted to say, help me, Jesus. And Jesus said, hey, I see that. And Jesus acted on it. Yes, Joel. Okay, in in verse 10. Can I go to verse 10? Sure. Okay, the demon says, And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Why does the demon care what country he goes to? Can we answer that in the next program? Of course. Because in the next program, we're going to really get into that. Okay. But hey, I want you to see something else. Look at verse, somebody read verse 6. What is verse 6? Of Mark? Uh Uh-huh. Mark 5, verse 6. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. Verse 7. And cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? I endure thee by God that thou torment me not. Who is speaking there, the man or the spirit? The spirit. Is the spirit speaking. And notice what the spirit said to Jesus. I know who you are. How do they know? The last time that spirit saw Jesus is when God took authority over Lucifer and kicked all those evil powers out of heaven. 
That devil has never forgotten his last encounter with Jesus. And when he saw Jesus, he said, oh, I know who this one is. I remember the last time that I saw this one. And the Greek literally says, what is the connection between you and me? Come on, there's no connection between us. That demon did not want to be near Jesus. And the verse says, read it again, verse 7. And cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God. I adjure God, thee by God. But thou torment, torment me not. The word adjure is a prayer word. So you know what I call this? The day the devil prayed. This was the day the devil prayed. You want to make the devil pray? Hey, the devil can get real religious. This devil starts praying, I pray you. It's a prayer word. Torment me not. What was Jesus doing to torment the devil? What was Jesus doing that would make the devil pray? And the answer is in the next verse. Read the next verse. Verse 8, for he said unto him. For he said unto him. And the Greek says, for he said and said and said and said and said and kept saying and kept saying and kept saying and kept saying and kept saying. These demons had chased everybody else off. Religious people washed their hands, walked away. Animal tamers can't do anything about it, walked away. Prison officials washed their hands, walked away. Jesus does not walk away. He stays on his side. Hallelujah. And Jesus kept saying and kept saying and kept saying and kept saying, I'm not leaving till you come out. I said, come out of this man. I said, come out of this man. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us how long this episode took place. But if you understand the tense that's used in that verse, it seems this was quite a long ordeal. I think the disciples must have been amazed because Jesus just calmed down nature a few hours ago. Yes, he did. And now he's spending a long time with this, this individual. Mm -hmm. And I think the disciples were like, wow, what is going on? <laughs> well, it tells me even Jesus had to be persistent. And when you deal with the enemy, sometimes the enemy puts up a bluff. Mm -hmm. And when he puts up a bluff, you got to say to him, I'm more committed than you are. And I'm not leaving here until this person's free. And eventually the devil will leave. The Bible says if you resist him, he will flee, flee from you. And you know what, guys? Our home group is over again, and we have barely got into this. But when we come back tomorrow night, we're going to see how this man was set free. Mm. I'm telling you, Jesus has superiority. Absolutely over all dark forces, and so do we, because he gave us authority. But hey, if you need prayer, please write to us, prayer at renner.org, or call us 1-800-742-5593. We want to pray for you. And tonight, we want you to sleep really good. When you go to bed tonight, lay there and think about all the things Jesus has done in your life so far this year. And think about that glorious promise in Luke 10, 19, Jesus has given you a superior position over all the works of the enemy. It's all under Jesus' control, and it's under your authority as well. We'll see you tomorrow night. If you enjoyed that teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it.